Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Today, Pastor Ralph will conclude his message entitled, An Unfolding Masterpiece, will be in Exodus chapter 31. And now, let's join Pastor Ralph. Where I want to start out this morning talking about an unfolding masterpiece. And when a baby comes out of its mother's womb, it comes out covered in in stinky, smelly, gunky stuff. And then when a baby lives its first few years of its life, it's kind of good for nothing. Have you you, you ever figured that? I mean, a, a, a baby is nothing more than an eating, sleeping, pooping machine. There's a time that it's all you. It's all your input. And there's not much coming back. Well, that's kind of the way it is with God and us. When, when, when he finds us in our sin, we're all covered all over with yuck. And then when we're born again and we have new life, well, there's not a whole lot coming out of us that's got any value to it at all. And the whole love deal is him loving us and us slowly learning what it means to love him back. And, and you think that you're not good enough for God to make an investment in. But you need to remember, as an example, that babies poop their diapers all the time and their parents still love them. And God is willing to love you just exactly the way that you are. You know, some of the very things that we do that are positive things work against us. The scripture says if two of us agree together about anything, then, then it'll happen. So that's a good thing. It says here that we're safe so we can do good things. But I want to show you some other good things that I think God has in mind for you that are covered in this verse. And so I'd like you to write next to the word good things. I'd like you to write this. Exodus 31, 1 to 5. And we're going to go there and look at Exodus 31, 1 to 5. And by the way, Along the way, here's a couple of other verses. You might want to pop down and go look at them later. I was going to talk about them, but it preached too long. Just put them there in Ephesians and go look them up later. Uh, You know, cross-reference your Bible. Learn to write in your Bible. But 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says that in Christ we've become a new creation and everything is passed away that's old and everything has become new. God gives you a brand new start when you come to Christ. And there's Matthew chapter 6, verses 20 and 21. You can look that up on your own. But in Exodus chapter 31, it talks about spirit-filled expertise. And this is what I want to talk to you about in light of the good things that God would like to do in your life and through your life. And, and I, I, I want to talk to you about the nitty-gritty, dirty world. And some of the good things that God would like you to do. And this may come as a surprise to you. I don't know how many of you read the Old Testament. But I, I love the New Te- the Old Testament. I hear people talk about, oh, it's like the God of the Old Testament. It's as though the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of today or the God of the New Testament. And, and you know, he's, God's a God of wrath in the Old Testament. Well, you know what I found out is, if, if you read it, and I read it all the time. I love the Old Testament. Is I found out... If, if you play ball with God, he's going to bless you really good. That's the message of the Old Testament. And you see nations of people, and they screw up, and they turn their back on God. And then if they repent at all, 
He comes along and does wonderful things in their life. And I want wonderful things to happen in my life, so I like to read the Old Testament. But here's a part in the Old Testament that I sometimes find myself skipping over because it's actually just describing the building of the tabernacle, the place that they built so they could worship God. And, and, and it's how they constructed the thing. And it's just a whole bunch of, it would be like me getting up here and telling you the story of how we built this building. Now, there's some very inspiring stories about how God got us on the property, how he supplied the money, how he supplied the building permits and all that. But if I just got down to the construction of the wall, you'd probably check out real quick and go, what in the world is he talking about? Well, we're kind of in one of those chapters, in one of those spots, but there's something really interesting here. It says, the Lord also said to Moses, this is Exodus 31, verse 1, the Lord also said to Moses, look, I have chosen Bezalel, the son of Uri, the grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. What are we talking about here? I filled him with the what? The Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit. Now watch. And I've given him great wisdom. Now, there's a scripture, and I'm putting it on the screen, in Isaiah chapter 11, the first five verses. It describes the Holy Spirit, and it uses seven different descriptive adjectives to describe him. But one says, he is the spirit of wisdom. Okay, so this guy Bezalel is going to help build the temple and God has put his Holy Spirit on him, the spirit of wisdom, of intelligence, and of skill. The Holy Spirit comes to give you and me intelligence, wisdom, and skill. So what? We can do good things for God. But watch how how this decompartmentalizes our faith as soon as you read the next few words. It says, He is able to create beautiful objects from gold, silver, and bronze. He's a metalsmith and a metallurgist because a metallurgist is a guy who knows what to do when you melt metal and make it do different things in the cooling process. And a metal smith is a guy who knows how to carve and bend and shape metal. So he's got those two skills. He is also skilled in cutting and setting gemstones. He's a jeweler. And in carving wood. He's a carpenter. He's a master at every craft. Now, just catch the play on words. He's a master at every craft. He's God's masterpiece, and in making him so skillful and so intelligent and so good, he became a master at every craft. And he's capable of doing good, and watch this, when I change it, I take the S off the word. He's capable of doing good work. What do you mean? Well, he's a good carpenter. He's good with metal. He's good with jewelry. This guy can make pretty stuff. He does really good work. See, if you and I compartmentalize and we read Ephesians, the good works that we do are all upstairs good works that we do. We do them inside of a church building. Or we do them with a cluster of Christians at work. You know, ministry in the marketplace. But we're still huddling and hiding out. Some of the good work that God wants you to do 
is in that law office of yours as, as an attorney who's winning cases. Interesting article this morning about the district attorney in, in Honolulu and how we're losing cases. There's a huge acquittal rate. And so the, the, they're in trouble. Well, God wants you to be skillful in your work. If you're in finance, he wants to give you creative ideas to do things to create wealth for other people, because that's what you do, or for yourself. If you're building homes, then God wants to make you into a master craftsman. If you're working as a teacher in the public education system, you're probably working with a lack of resources to do the stuff that you would like to do. But you know what I've found in this church is every time that we've ever had a financial crisis and we've had to cut back and cut back and cut back, those have been the times when we've blossomed with innovation because we get serious and we pray more. But see, that, that again, that's the upper story thing. You do that at church. No, no. In, in that public school cr- classroom, God would like to make you a masterful person at what you do. And he would like to infuse you with the Holy Spirit so that you have wisdom, that you have intelligence, and that you have skill so that you can do good work at your work. At the same time, you're doing those other kind of good works that go right alongside of the thing. And you got to understand this. As I raised my children, come back to my picture of Carl and I standing there. As I raised my children, I wanted them to reflect my values, my family, our heritage. But I also wanted them to prosper and to be good at everything that they did. And I believe that the Lord wants the same for you and for me. Are you with, is this making sense today? And so as you're seeking the Lord, erase that line in that little mental drawing that you have. There is no upstairs. It's all downstairs. Carl has a story to tell. We may, we may bring the guy up here. There's a, a, a guy in our church. He's, he's a professional surfer. And because his father's in the military or was in the military, he gets to surf North Beach on, on the, the Marine base. And, and, and that's his place. That's his wave. That's where he goes to, to stay in shape and to stay on the edge of what he does, the cutting edge of what he does. Wisdom, skill, and, and, and intelligence to surf with wisdom, skill, and intelligence, to earn money. And he's got a pass. It's legal for him to surf there. He surfs there all the time. One day, some people were shooting a movie. He's a part of the movie. He brought the film crew with him. The MPs picked him up. Apparently, that's a violation of the rules. And they cut off his base privileges for how many years? Three years? Three years? Three years. You can't surf on the base. Okay? That means you got to go to the North Shore. So it's disrupting his livelihood. He calls up, a, he's, he's, he's new in his real solid walk with the Lord. He calls Carl, calls some of these young guys, starts getting people fasting and praying for him. Gets an audience with the base commander and goes in and got the privileges absolutely restored. I believe that the Holy Spirit intervened in that person's life because he cares about his livelihood. And I believe that he will intervene in your life because he cares about your livelihood. If you're willing to invest your life in the purposes of God, God is willing to come alongside of you and prosper you in what you do. And part of being filled with the Holy Spirit ought to have to do with 
him being a spirit of wisdom, him being a spirit of intelligence, him being a spirit of skill. And so think about this. If I'm doing good work, then people are going to respect me in the workplace. And then when I try to do the good works in terms of ministry, that it paves the way. It's going to open the door. But if I've rejected just the Lord, I mean, so, you know, I, I heard a story yesterday about a, a, a workplace in this island that's just been rife with trouble. Union and management hating each other. And when we started praying, 96744, United Prayer got going, these people called up and said, would you pray for our workplace? This was two years ago. This is the second year into this thing. And we started praying for this workplace. They've had a management change. Some guy who came up from within the ranks got promoted. And uh, he'd been away for a while, but he came back. And boy, it's transformed the place. And, and there's peace and there's harmony and there's happiness. And the big boss who's been afraid to come out of his office because there's so much tension on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the floor of the workplace is now coming out, hanging out with the people. And guys that were saying, I hate this place, I'm just biding my time. And you know what that does to the skill level. They're suddenly saying, I love my job. I love going to work. See, I believe that God can change and transform our communities if we invite him into our situation and he'll prosper us along the way. Am I getting anywhere with this? Is this redundant? Am I saying sort of the same thing week after week after week? Because I'm trying to. <laughs> you know, my, my, my deal is I was taught a long time ago, redundancy is the best teacher. Repeat yourself. My wife used to get after me for telling the same stories over and over and over and over. But my teacher in college taught me that's what you do is tell the same stories over and over. And pretty soon the people will be telling them and they'll get it. Well, I want to I give you five steps toward ministry in the marketplace because that's what we've been kind of talking about, being the church on Monday. And I, I, these are very practical. And just don't tell anybody this, but I stole them straight out of Ed Silvoso's book, Anointed for Business. Although I changed them so nobody'd know. I mean, isn't that what you did when you wrote term papers when you were in high school? <laughs> Five steps toward marketplace ministry. First, admit that you are a minister. Ephesians chapter 4, see, no compartmentalization. Ephesians chapter 4 doesn't allow us to, to make this compartmentalization and use these words, clergy and laity. You know, people will introduce me sometimes and say, oh, he's the minister from Hope Chapel, Kaneohe Bay. I always correct him, you're wrong. I'm not the minister from Hope Chapel, Kaneohe Bay. I'm one of the ministers from Hope Chapel, Kaneohe Bay because you're all ministers. Ephesians 4 says that God has appointed pastors and apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists so that they can equip the members to do the works of ministry. So you're the ministers. I'm a minister, but you're a minister. Okay? I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. I'm doing something that maybe you're not doing. But when it comes down to talking to my next door neighbor or caring for somebody that's in need or going ahead and writing a check to the hurricane relief or whatever it is, I'm a minister. And you're a minister. Why don't you go a little bit further? The second thing is that you would accept the spiritual underpinning of your everyday life. Accept the spiritual underpinning 
of your everyday life. Your everyday life. See, we sort of accept that I meet with God on Sundays. No, no. What happens Tuesday morning? What happens in the workplace? What happens when you're in conflict with somebody? Accept the spiritual underpinning. Allow God to, to live with you in the downstairs and don't imagine him living far off away in the upstairs someplace. The third thing is invite Jesus. Now listen to this word carefully. Invite Jesus into your market space. What is your market space? Well, if I'm a truck driver, it's the cab of that truck. It's the distance that I walk to the back end of that truck. And it's those loading docks and those guys that hang out on those loading docks that I interface with. And they may be spread all over this island. If I'm an office worker, it's that little cubicle. If I'm a dentist... It's that little room that I work in and in that space that I walk back and forth out to that reception area and the people that I influence there along the way. If I'm a professional surfer, it's the surf spot and the people that are there. It's my market space. It's my turf. Invite Jesus into your turf. And I think the way that you do this is you pray and you actually say, Lord Jesus, I invite you into this space. I want you to be the Lord in this space. I think there's, there, there, prayers have meaning. God answers prayer. You know, I think it's very, very significant. It, you know, as we've seen this transformation Hawaii thing get going. You know, Lieutenant Governor has really come on as a Christian. Lieutenant Governor has been vocal about it. I'm hearing about people in the city council who have hated each other who have gotten caught up in Transformation Hawaii and are now saying things like this. You know, that person has really changed. This Transformation Hawaii has done them so much good. I really like that person now. And they're not talking to each other about this yet. They're talking to somebody else about it. And the other guy is saying the same nice things about this guy. And, 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 they're, and, they're, and they're people that used to just... And all of a sudden, there's this love going on, see? But when you start to do stuff like, Lord, come into this place where I have some jurisdiction. It's, see, it's, I, I have authority in my market space. You have authority in your market space. You may be a janitor, but you have authority in that market space. Invite the Lord into that place. And you can do it very privately. You don't have to make a big scene of it. You know, I told you a couple of weeks ago about one of the leading financial institutions in the state. There's not a person in, the, in this room that doesn't know. If I said the name, you go, oh, yeah. They got a, a, a new CEO. And this person gathered together several pastors, several Christian leaders, and went down again early in the morning before office hours, went to the front door of the headquarters building, had everybody pray together, and then took the key, unlocked the door, swung the door open, and out loud in front of about seven people that were all friends, said, Lord Jesus, I invite you into this establishment. I want your lordship in this place. I have jurisdiction. I invite you into this jurisdiction. It's something you can do privately all by yourself, or you can do it with another Christian or two or three. I don't think you should let everybody in on it, but I think it's something that's worth doing. The fourth thing that I think you ought to consider doing is build an altar. What I mean by build an altar, you know, get a bunch of rocks and pile them up and make a little cross on top. You know, everywhere I go in Mongolia, 
there are these Buddhist altars and they, they hang blue silk scarves all over them. And you go and, and every little mound and mountaintop, you see piles of rocks and then people have affixed blue silk scarves to them. And as the scarves blow in the wind, their idea is that the scarf is offering prayers for them to whatever spirits are there. Well, I don't think we're going to do that. But I do think you find a place that can be your place. It may be that there's a park across the street and you go sit in the park bench and your and your coffee break in the afternoon and you pray there. It may be that there's a corner of the lunchroom. You may have to go hide in the bathroom, but you find a place where in life is stressing you out or things need to change that you can get along with God somewhere in your everyday world and you can do it at a moment's notice. When you have to, you can get there. And you start to make it your place where you feel comfortable to be alone with the Lord. Every job I've ever had, I've always done that. Always done that. The last thing is this, is learn to take your lead from the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is to be a spirit of wisdom, intelligence, and skill, then you ought to start to expect him to help you make good financial decisions. You ought to expect him that sometimes you're about to enter into some kind of an agreement and you start to get real sick butterflies in your stomach and you start going, oh, that's the Lord warning me here. And and now what am I supposed to do? How do I pay attention to it? I don't think you blindly move off of anything. I think that you take those little signals and then you start to analyze and you start to look and you start to ask the Lord, show me stuff. Ask the Lord to help you innovate. Ask the Lord to bless your your business and to prosper it and to show you how to prosper it. You know, our staff, about four or five years ago, we started praying. We saw Kai Lewis starting to get all rebuilt down there and, and, and looking really good. And we started praying for Kaneohe Town. We, we, you drive around this town and there, there's, a, there's a sense a lot of people are living their lives in poverty and despair. We started praying, Lord, start to influence the businesses and, and change them all. The mall is always limping. Turn the mall into something successful. It's really the heart of the businesses in our community. Lord, Lord start to, and we start praying for different shopping centers. Fill this space in this shopping center. And you know, we're seeing progress. We believe it's because we've been praying. I believe that you can focus those kind of prayers on your, on your business, on what goes on there. God wants you to do good works. And that includes good work. It's all in the downstairs. He comes to us in the downstairs. There is no separation. Making sense? Well, let's pray and get out of here. Lord, we thank you for your love, your kindness, your grace in our lives. We thank you for all that you're doing through our church. Lord, we thank you for Rack Rakoma and what he's doing with those kids. And, and Lord, we, I pray that it would inspire some of the rest of us to go out and start little pocket churches around here and there and and do some things that, that we had never dreamt of doing before. And, and Lord, just stay involved in our church while we do it. Lord, I pray that you would bless every person in here that, that whatever part of the message spoke to their heart this morning and touched them would, would be something that they would take at home and, 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 and it would really be a takeaway. They could put it into practice. It would make a difference. They could do it. Lord, erase this imaginary line that we've had. We, we want to take you out of the upstairs in our thinking and understand that you're here with us, that your Holy Spirit is in us, and that you're hearing us when we pray. Lord, work in us, work through us, in Jesus' name. Why don't you just keep your eyes closed? 
We're going to pray a prayer. If you have come here to invite the Lord into your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And pray it silently, but pray it with me. God, I invite you into my life today. I invite you into my world. I know that I've been far away from you and my life's pretty screwed up. And Lord, I invite you to come in and to make sense of it all. God, I I understand the implications of being adopted, of being born again. I have nothing to offer you. You have everything to offer me. I want to become your masterpiece. Lord, offer me the forgiveness that comes because Jesus took the shame of my guilt on that cross so that I could be forgiven and set free from things that hold me down. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and, and come into my heart right now, that I'd sense your presence with me. You'd begin communicating with me your love, your grace, your power, your peace, your wisdom, your intelligence, your skill, and my life will become useful and meaningful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.